Hello! Welcome to our third episode. I'm Kat. And I'm Car, And we are identical twins discussing creativity, feelings, and the creepy twin connection that ties us together to the end. Alright, Car, what has been the most exciting or inspiring thing to you in the last couple weeks? I have a pretty fun homework assignment which is sounds boring, but it's early enough that they're still fun. I have to write a paper about any celebrity and, and it doesn't even have to be like a typical essay. I can write it in any format. So I'm choosing to write a short fan fiction about Gerard Way from My Chemical Romance. Yes! And I've never written a fan fiction before, so I'm excited to see how it turns out. And it's that's the most exciting one, for sure. <laughs> I cannot wait to read your fan fiction. What is going to happen to Gerard? We haven't gotten there yet. Okay. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> the whole point is to like tie what it means to be a celebrity back to who I am as a person. So I probably just want to implement a lot about being a fan and how impactful boy bands in general can be to girls. Mm-hmm which is always a fascinating topic to me. That so. is a fascinating topic. Eventually mm -hmm. we should do a whole episode about fandoms. I absolutely fan plan on culture. it. Yes. I just feel like that'll be a recurring th theme throughout this whole podcast. It will. It will. But we should dive in on one episode for sure. We should. Um, what about you? Do you have any fun, excited, inspiring projects happening for you this week? I've been getting into filming stuff for YouTube because I mentioned in our first episode that I bullet journal and I really fell down a rabbit hole of the bullet journaling community on YouTube. <laughs> There's and a bullet journaling community? There is a vast bullet journaling community <laughs> on YouTube and I watch those videos and I find them so enjoyable and okay. I thought I could do this. Like I, I bullet journal like crazy and Yours Personally, so good too. I think that my bullet journal is pretty cool. So I thought yeah. maybe I'll record some of it and put it on YouTube so that people can see it. That's great. I'm so excited to see it. I yeah. could use some inspiration for mine. It's not the prettiest thing, but it's very useful. And so I think that that could be fun. And I'm just practicing with editing in Adobe Premiere again. Um, I haven't done that in many years, so... Yeah, that's so fun. It's kind of fun to be able to relearn a program that I haven't used in a long time. That's so great. Yeah, and I have all this time to do it because I'm still continuing my social media cleanse. Even right. though it's now February, I did all of dry January and it was awesome. And I don't even miss social media, and I think I'm just going to keep it going. Okay, that's incredible. I'm so happy to hear that. And that actually brings us to our theme of the day, which is social media, which sounds really broad. But we're just going to kind of talk about our experiences with it, um, kind of our upbringing in it. And it's such, it's such a prevalent part of life that it inevitably forms what we think and what we do and has for so many years. I mean, at this point, we've both been on at least Instagram for at least 10 years. Mm -hmm. And that's like crazy, crazy, especially when you think about how few breaks you really take from Instagram. Like this is, is this the longest break you've ever taken from? Oh, yeah. Really? Yes. Hands so like, down. One month off is the most time you've spent off of it in 10 years. I know, it, that's crazy. And I can't even, I'm not even doing dry January or February really, so I'm even in a worse boat than you right now. And so we just want to talk about, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how, how this affects us. Yeah, we're just going to go through our history of social media and what it means to us and just kind of how we respond to it. So, like you said, it is a very broad category, but we thought it would be kind of fun to reminisce on the early days of our social media use. We're gonna go back to day one of social media use for us, which I'm pretty sure started around 2004, five, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say 2004. Okay. With the online platform some people may remember called Neopets. Do I even remember Neopets? <laughs> uh, I don't know if you do, but I know that I played Neopets a whole lot. I remember playing Neopets when we were in 6th, oh. 7th grade. 
in 2004. Arizona. Oh my god, I remember this so distinctly now that I'm seeing the little characters. And you had your pets, and you could buy things for them, and you could <gasps> decorate their houses. And then you battled each other. And then the, and then there was the whole social media, or like social platform side of it, where you could go in the chat room and talk to other people who played Neopets. And I completely forgot about this. I just remember that being a, one of the first, because we had also been on like Yahoo Messenger and MSN Messenger and things like that. MSN Messenger was big. But we just talked to our friends from school. We weren't really right. talking to anyone on the internet. And no. then Neopets was the first place that was kind of like a public social media platform. Right. So I just remember that being kind of the earliest introduction to that world, which was, I mean, I don't really have any crazy stories from it. I don't think I really used it that much. I don't like, I mean, I no. used it, but I don't really like remember anything from it. But I yeah, just remember being like, oh, you can talk to people. That's fun. And mm -hmm. then 2005 came around and suddenly it was all about MySpace. I remember we had moved back from Arizona and we had some friends who we'd gone to school with in Arizona and we would write letters to each other, like physical yes, letters. We did. And I remember our friend, I think it was our friend Tiffany who had sent me a letter and was like, do you have MySpace? I have, they're like, there's this cool new website called MySpace. You should check it out. <laughs> And I, rem I remember that was the very first time I had heard of MySpace. And she was like, I'm on there. If you sign up, we can chat online and we won't have to write letters anymore. And so... <laughs> this is incredible. Inevitably, you were the one who got on MySpace first, I'm sure. And I've just continuing the trend of following in your footsteps of the tech that you figure out. Um, because I don't really remember a story like that of like it being presented to me. I just remember at some point... I was on it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if I got it and then I was like, this is fun, you should sign up or something. Exactly, yeah, exactly. So yeah, I remember MySpace was huge for us um, for like five years from then on, basically from 2005 to 2010 or so, all throughout the end of junior high, high school. And it was really like the prime time to be on MySpace. It was the era of emo and scene, culture. <laughs> yes. That's where everything about my personality really started. <laughs> that was the first, yeah, the first experience in creating an online personality that now your, your friends tend to interact with more than they do in real life. Mm -hmm. And I think like many other designers, some of my first experience with design happened on MySpace. In fact, I oh, got yeah. so into it, I started to make, I made myself a second account for layouts specifically, and I called it, yeah. I called it, what did I call it? It was, I was like Katie Capture or something, because you had to have like the alliteration yes. or like, you know, everyone yes. had those cool names. And I had like the little layouts, but it was abbreviated to LYTS. That's what everyone who made layout layouts did. Remember that? I vaguely remember this. And I would make layouts and then put the code up for people to use. And I didn't, I didn't <gasps> think I made a lot of them, but I made a couple and I remember being so into it. I would just spend hours editing my HTML and CSS and... Oh yeah. Yeah. It was so We loved doing that. Fun. I spent so many hours just wasting an entire evening like tweaking some code on my MySpace page and getting some funky cursor, like custom cursor oh, to appear that had little sparkles or it was like a little fairy that would like sprinkle fairy dust as you moved it around the page. That was so and you could fun. match it to your theme and do like sparkly backgrounds. Although I remember doing some pretty cool stuff. Like I had taste back then too, to some degree. <laughs> not, not to say it was great, but you know, I wasn't doing full sparkle backgrounds all the time. Um, I wish, I wish so badly I could still like access those. I wish pages. I could too. I remember this one layout I did that I was so proud of that was all rain themed and it was all very dark and moody. There's yes. rain falling and I had chosen, of course, some kind of like dark, gloomy, sad song to put on of my course. profile, of course. And <laughs> it was just, it was so, so aesthetic. Yeah, so aesthetic. I had like a photo of like these hands reaching up into the sky while rain was falling down. 
and or like wet a wet ground with like converse someone's converse shoes in it <laughs> yes. you know just something that was very myspace-esque very myspace oh man which Those then the eventually days. that whole aesthetic kind of turned into a tumblr the tumblr yeah. aesthetic that was the natural progression i felt like most people moved from myspace to tumblr mm-hmm I don't know, like the people who were just on it to talk with their school friends went to Facebook and everyone else went to Tumblr, it seems. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we did both. Like I got Facebook in 2009, yeah. which was mm -hmm. like my our junior, senior year of high school. Yep. And I remember having to get it and I, I feel like I remember getting it very begrudgingly. I was like, I don't want to be on yeah. this site. I wish I just want to stay on MySpace. But all our friends were getting Facebook and they were like, stuff's happening on Facebook, you have to be there. And I was like, fine, I'll I, get it. I relate Facebook more to being like friends from school, whereas yes. MySpace was like kind of other random internet friends that you had made. Yes. I mean, plus people from school, but right. I feel like Facebook, I remember, especially when we got on Facebook, it was a specific year when we were going through some drama with our friend group. That's Right. And I remember getting on there and literally seeing, I don't know what the Facebook version of this was would be called, but it's like sub-tweets oh <laughs> toward God. us, specifically like that. targeted yeah. at me and yeah. like just criticizing something about my, it was, it was online bullying is what it, it was, was. Katie, on Facebook. Katie got online bullied. I remember this. This was early days because we did. We had this group of friends who like out of nowhere like turned on us. Uh-huh. And then started bullying you. I don't even remember what the origins of that were. I, I do. <laughs> it was the boyfriend I, I had. Yeah. Who yep. had been dating someone else before I started dating him. And he ended up breaking up with her. And then he and I started dating. And then suddenly I was like the horrible homewrecker person. <laughs> oh, high school relationships are so fraught. I know. <laughs> But it, yeah, it was a whole thing. And anyways, long story short, <laughs> I remember not liking Facebook from the beginning because it was just yeah. not a fun place for us. <laughs> no, no. So I think we ended up spending a little bit more time on Tumblr and Tumblr was did. so fun. In the, I remember my first year of college, I signed up for Tumblr and it was so fun. I loved it. I mean, everything on it was just so great. It was it like was. this totally open playground where you just didn't have to like, nobody gave a fuck of what anyone was doing or saying. No, and only a few people you knew would even like follow your blog. Yeah. And I, you know what? I remember using it initially. I totally forgot about this. We didn't even include this in the outline, but I had a blogger account. Oh, yeah. And you did too. We were actually blogging like our lives. Yeah. Written blog posts about what we were experiencing. And I remember doing that in college and spending a lot of time, like my first year of college, because how I talked about in our last episode, my college experience was so dull. There was nothing to do. I spent a lot of time documenting that boringness. Yeah. I'm sure my blog was terrible to read, but I was just treating it like a diary and publishing it out to the world on Blogger. And you could, I remember customizing my blog too. Yeah. And doing that. You could put little songs at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And then I, I don't remember being on that for very long before it became all about Tumblr. And I just started doing that on Tumblr. And then Tumblr just had so many more capabilities for imagery and you know, more media. So yeah, it transformed yeah, into that's just true. more of an aesthetic thing. But yeah, I would just scroll. I would scroll for hours and hours on Tumblr the way I do on Instagram nowadays. Oh, I remember just sitting in class in college and just scrolling through Tumblr. Oh yeah. Every class. And <laughs> it's like, it didn't really, it wasn't really drawing a ton of my attention because it was just like pretty pictures. Right. But I remember like constantly scrolling. On Tumblr yep. and re reblogging things. I don't know. Is it even called reblogging on there? <laughs> I can't remember now. No, that was reblogging. Yeah. <gasps> oh man. And then I remember. I don't really remember what my early Tumblr vibe was, but I remember later on it became extremely aesthetically focused, and I started to do like color schemes where I would post. Yes. 
I would reblog images that were all like a blue tone and then you know I would do that for like a few days and build up like a whole screen of blue posts and then I would change to like green and then everything would be green and I it was so I've spent so much energy on doing that you you love that and I remember that very distinctly because when you started doing it I think you must have been the first person I had seen do that and I was like what the hell this is so cool I wanted I wanted to do the same thing and I probably ended up starting it but just always feeling like I was copying you uh -huh. but I would I just remember scrolling down your tumblr for hours and being like oh my gosh this is a big rainbow and it's so cool yeah it was so fun and it was fun because I would I would get so into it I would even reblog songs that had like something to do with the color I was in or something like that it was just very I don't know. I forgot about reblogging songs. I guess that's the equivalent of sticking a song on your Instagram story these days. Yeah, it really was. And I remember one of the, actually one of the last posts on mine is like a live version of Helena by MCR. I think it's from that show oh, that they did. And it was during the Danger Days era and they're outside and Gerard has got his red hair. Oh and yeah. And you can see Lindsay oh, sitting there in the background. You know which one know I'm talking exactly, about? I know exactly which one and you're talking about. And he's got sunglasses yeah. on because the sun is like directly in their eyes. I love all the clips from that video. They all look so good. Or from that concert. And that version of Helena is just so good. And I, I'm pretty sure that's what it's from. But I, the, the most recent post on my Tumblr, I'm pretty sure is still that song because I haven't used Tumblr in like five years. I need to find our Tumblrs actually. Can we, is that possible now? Yeah. For sure. I still log on to it every now and then. I just, okay, so another big thing with Tumblr was that during my One Direction phase, I yes. was on Tumblr so much. That, that totally intertwined with your One Direction phase, which I think we should talk about. You didn't really touch on your One Direction phase. No, we didn't, previously. but it ties in well to social media because obviously it, does. it all happened on social media. The whole fandom was online and I mean that's kind of why I started using Twitter uh, heavily. I mean like I had signed up for Twitter I think in 2011 or so but it wasn't until 2015 when I got into One Direction that I started right. using Twitter a lot more because that was where I could get the most up-to-date information on what the boys were doing at any given time. And right. Tumblr, like people would just post every update from every show when they were on tour on, yeah. on Tumblr. So I could go and basically see every night's concert. I could see what the boys were wearing. I could see little clips and videos of like any funny thing that happened during the show. Constant gifts and things. And I would just send them back and forth to my friend Amy and I. She got me into One Direction and we were just so obsessed. We would just send each other cute gifts of Harry and everything that I could find on Twitter or Tumblr I would send to her and just freak out over. This and is like, this is a big deal. I feel like we need to just address what a huge formative part of really both of our lives your One Direction phase was <laughs> because <laughs> it was, nothing like this had ever happened before. Katie was like, I couldn't talk to her about anything except... No. One Direction. She was her eyes would glaze over if I was not talking about Harry Styles or any of the other boys. And and I I was such a hater at the beginning. I did not understand it. I did not attempt to understand it. And I feel really bad about that. Well, you know, I think I missed out. I mean, it's a complicated thing, but I think I missed out on some of this fun and excitement. I mean, you, you got to join in on it toward the end. Like, you went I and did. saw Wendy with us once, and then you and I went and saw Harry together when he went solo. Which was the best concert ever. It really was. And, yeah, yeah it was just, it was a really transformative time, I think. <laughs> I think, I mean, it's weird to say, because, and, and I also was one of the oldest One Direction fans that I knew of at the time, except for Amy. <laughs> I mean, she right. and I together. <laughs> But I felt a little embarrassed talking about it when, I, when it first started happening. I would like listen to One Direction on like a private session on Spotify so that nobody would be able to see that I was, that was all I was listening to. <laughs> it, I mean, that was truly, I could not listen to anything else, could not no. think about anything else. 
I was online all the time just looking for more content. It was such a huge dopamine rush for me. Like if I went for too long without seeing a picture of Harry, I would I would feel like I was having withdrawals. Like I was physical reaction. Yes. Well, and and even when I was looking at pictures of Harry, I would feel like physically like I would have to like take my jacket off if I was I would like I would get my heart rate would go up and I'd be like it is hot in here like I don't <laughs> it had that they had a physical effect on me and, and I'm not that, even like I'm not exaggerating about that oh I know I mean I remember and and I remember getting a glimpse of that I think you did try to hide it for a little while mm -hmm. but you would be like you know once I would start to entertain and be like well show me you know show me Harry and he, I, I remember you getting kind of embarrassed sometimes, like, you would try to talk about him and your words would get all mixed up, and you would be like, I'm getting hot or something. <laughs> I would! And it was cute, I literally, and it was cute, my though. ears would turn red, I would, be, I would get overheated, it was just, it's, it was crazy. It was just, it, it's fascinating to me how your, like, level of fandom to them was turned all the way up to the maximum level like a fangirl could be. And I think a number of circumstances like coincided at the time to like allow that to happen. You had yeah. a lot of free time and it was also like an escape mechanism, but I would say you were totally obsessed. I was. Because you and did you're not right. do like anything it, else. No, it really wasn't. And we could talk about this for the whole episode, but honestly it was <laughs> like I had never allowed myself to fall in love with something like that before. And yeah. I think earlier in those days, especially with like the music I was into and everything. I mean, obviously there was like fan culture online, but I think there was also, at least from my perspective, this idea that you can't be too into it or too excited about it because that's just not cool. And yes. my whole thing was that I just had to be cool. I mean, not that I was cool. I was like a huge nerd, but I was like so <laughs> caught up in what anybody else would think of me that I would just never let myself get like super obsessed with anything because I felt like it would be annoying or something. Yes, we both did that so much. Yeah, which is which is weird. I mean, I mean, I loved my chemical romance at that time, but I wasn't even as as much as a fan of them as I would I would say as I am now. Right. Because I just wouldn't let myself be like I felt like that was a weird thing to do to be like super obsessed with a band or something. I wonder if, I mean, people back then certainly were super obsessed with bands. I tend to think it was more about like the environment we grew up in and just the people around us didn't really respect that. So well, it was nobody like, really did at that time, you know, especially yeah, in those in years. Yeah. And mm -hmm. It was like not a cool thing to like My Chemical Romance, you know? It was like you would get bullied for liking That's true. That's that true. music. And I remember right. getting kind of reprimanded a lot by some people in our family and some people <laughs> who we knew, just like other people at school and whatnot, and just kind of feeling like, oh, I'm not supposed to advertise that I'm into this, even though I right. was so, so, so into it. I remember that too. But I'm just trying to think back because I was super, at that stage in our lives, I was like really into like classic rock mm -hmm. for some reason, like Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd. And I remember, I certainly didn't fangirl over them the way that I do over MCR now. Yeah. So you're right. I think it was just simply like not acceptable or not even, I didn't even know that you could do that. You know? Honestly, I didn't either, and I think that's another thing. Like, I know that online forums and fandoms existed back then, yeah. but I think for whatever reason, we just were not on them. I wasn't even aware of them. Honestly, if Me I neither. had found a forum or something or a chat room where I could go and talk about MCR in those days, I would have been all over that. Right. But I just, I don't know. I think I was just too, I don't know, like not savvy of the internet and I didn't like <laughs> I didn't seek out those things and I didn't even know that they were there right and yeah, I, I didn't either. sometimes I'm kind of sad about that because I know like in those early years the internet was such a wild place <laughs> yeah <laughs> and especially when you're that age and you're just like kind of figuring things out it would have been 
I don't know, I just hear lots of crazy stories of people who like met people online and just had all these crazy experiences. And I never really had that because, yeah, I just didn't, I wish I would have. I wish we would have been able to like talk to people and then go to concerts and like meet up with friends that you met online who are into the same band. But you and I were not actually allowed to go to concerts until we were like yeah. 18, it seems. Yeah, we really weren't. But also like, I remember in the early days of the internet being a little bit scared of it. And I think that was just because we were young enough that the adults all around us and all around kids in general were just like almost teaching us to be afraid of it. Like if you if you weren't afraid of like getting viruses on your computer, it was like a huge concern back then on our little shitty, <laughs> what was our first laptop? Those tiny little black, Things that were literally like this big. No, those I were not that old. Those were like, we got those in college. <laughs> what was our, oh, no, no, no. Okay, our first We laptop. had like this really old laptop that was mom's. That okay. was when we lived in Arizona. Yeah, I remember that one. That we shared. We shared that laptop. We did. But it was obviously a PC. It was, I do remember just the concern of like, don't go to any site that you don't really know about because you're going to get viruses or you're gonna you know they'll steal your information it just seemed like there was so much caution around it that I wouldn't have really explored it willingly yeah that's looking true. for MCR forums or something that's true there was also a lot of fear-mongering about talking to people online and talking to strangers yep. online I mean it was like especially in our area everyone was like don't talk to strangers because you'll end up like Elizabeth Smart or something. Yeah, <laughs> you I mean, know. God, Elizabeth Smart happened in what, 2004? Hang on. Yeah, because she was abducted from, she lived in Salt Lake City, so it was near us. She was abducted in 2002. 2002, yeah. So that's right. I think that played a huge role, which even though her abduction did not I don't think it really had anything to do with the internet. No, it but, didn't. Um, but it was just, it was kind of that along with some other like store, crazy stories that had just come out. There was a lot of like, I don't know, just a lot of fear mongering in general about right. the internet during those years, the early 2000s. Like there was so much, so much on TV, on cable news and whatnot about yes. how you had to be careful about what your kids were looking at. And I feel like I mean, our mom was usually pretty chill about it, I felt. Yeah, But I think, I think so. that we probably heard it through other people and we're just kind of like a little bit wary about things. I, yeah, I remember being wary for sure. Anyway, so yeah, basically I had never let myself become a big fan of anything because there was just this whole culture around it. And in 2015, I had met Amy and she was so into One Direction and I, it just really opened my eyes to the possibility of that, the fact that I could do that as an adult, <laughs> the fact that I could be really into something. I mean, and yes. I was a total hater before too. I like, I thought One Direction was super dumb. I hated the What Makes You Beautiful song. Mm -hmm. I remember hearing it and being like, this is so problematic. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Same. But I just fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. The minute I like let them into my heart just a little bit, it was just like an avalanche. I was just like yeah. absolutely in love. I think you genuinely fell in love. Like you, it, it absorbed your entire life. It really felt like nothing I had experienced before. And it mm -hmm. really did feel like I have been missing out on this my whole life. And I felt sad about that. I was like grieving my adolescence that I had spent so much time like trying to be so cool and like never accept anything that was that seemed kind of silly or frivolous. Which I just think is so I think I think about your One Direction experience as being formative because it kind of broke that spell, right? Yeah. Like, you were just, I mean, sure, eventually it kind of petered out. You developed a more of a healthy relationship. I became a little more stable. <laughs> a little more stable. And did that happen only after they broke up, though? Or had it started to stabilize before they broke up? No, it only stabilized after <laughs> they broke up. Okay, that's what I thought. No, yeah, it had been... It was just crazy. Like, I, I could not... And, well, the other thing that didn't help was that... I started getting into them 
I watched a couple of their documentaries with Amy, and then mm -hmm. basically the very same day, we bought tickets to their tour, which right. was going to be like seven months later. Yes. And so I was just completely immersed in this thing, just like I just jumped in. Yeah. Completely. I and didn't, then you had... And then yeah, I was then like, I'm like going to be seeing this show, so now I have to know all their music. So I was like, I've got six months, basically, yeah, to learn everything about this band. And by then they had had, they had like four albums out. Mm -hmm. And so I started listening to all of their music, and it was so damn catchy, and it was so <laughs> happy and positive. And before that, I had been listening to music that was so sad. <laughs> I mean, I just, I love sad, slow music and it's, we both do. Yeah. Yes. That was really the zone I had been in. But when I started listening to One Direction all the time, it was like, I felt like I had suddenly just woken up, you know, like mm -hmm. I had been asleep for all these, all this time. Yeah. And I suddenly had so much energy and I was like, I'm going to have to look real cute for this show in six months. So I'm going to start going to the gym. And I started like <laughs> making all this effort that I hadn't been making before. It just, I had, it was also like you mentioned, it was a really hard year. There was a yeah. lot of other shit going down <laughs> and it just gave me like this one thing to hang on to in the future to give me a reason yeah. to keep going. And it was like, I just poured everything into that. Totally. And it was when, so What fun. year did you go and see the concert? 2015. Okay. What month in 2015? It was in July and it was on, it was for their On the Road Again tour, That's which ended right. up being one of their last big tours That's because right. it was, <laughs> it was actually in March of that year. I mean, I had, I, I had been really obsessed. They had been touring. I was watching all the shows constantly. I was like, I've got tickets to this tour. I'm so excited. And I would watch the videos from every other show when they were touring through Japan and all these other places. And I remember very specifically on March 25th of 2015, I went to work that morning and then I saw the news that Zayn Malik had left One Direction. Yeah. And... I remember that day. It's like a, a banner day. It is. I texted Amy and I was like, is this real? And she and I were both just like, I can't believe this is happening. We were both, she, she was at work and she was like, I'm trying so hard not to cry at work right now. And I was at work, but nobody else was there. So I actually did cry at work. <laughs> and I just, it was just the most horrible day that I could ever, it, it felt like, Someone had died and everyone <laughs> online was just like heartbroken and I, I could not. I was so caught up in it. Yeah. It's like a real breakup. Yeah. And I think, I think it was horrible because everyone knew that that was like going to be the beginning of the end. Right. You know. And you, you were a couple months away from seeing them and suddenly all your hopes and dreams felt like they were being dashed because Zane wasn't going to be there. Yeah. And it just wasn't going to be the same thing that you had been building up for yeah. so many months. I mean, I remember thinking the only thing that kept me going is that at least it wasn't Harry who left. Like, I'll yeah. still get to see Harry. And that was really what I cared most about. Right. But still, it was really hard. I was, I was a Zane girl. You were a Harry girl all yeah. along. I was a Zane girl. But I just, I think, I sometimes wonder if you had not been quite so so obsessed if I would have gotten into it a little more with you because I remember feeling really bummed when Zane left yeah but I I also kind of I had that thing still going on in my mind like oh I have to be cool I can't like this too much mm -hmm. especially because Katie likes it so much like god forbid I do the same thing she does and go crazy about this too yeah so I was just like oh that sucks and also at the time I think it was on March 18th so just a week prior yeah. to Zane leaving, my boyfriend had dumped me. Yeah. So I was just dealing with a lot of other things that you the were. <laughs> you didn't really <laughs> have the time to be thinking I was about that. Depleted already. Yeah. So, but that was yeah, that was a rough year. It was a really <laughs> rough time. <laughs> I don't really know where I was going with that, but basically, it was just yeah, it was just the funnest year being into One Direction, mm -hmm. and I I am so happy that it happened. 
-hmm. It was like the craziest emotional roller coaster. And I felt like if I hadn't allowed myself to do that and to be into that, I would have never felt those emotions. I mean, I can't even explain to you. When we saw them on tour, when I saw them for the first time, it was like an out-of-body experience. <laughs> when they first came on stage and everyone was screaming and the fireworks went off, I can still feel the feeling right now in my chest. Like, I felt like I was going to explode. <laughs> I screamed louder than I've ever screamed in my whole life. And the whole stadium, it was just like deafening. It was just like nothing that I had ever experienced and honestly, nothing I probably will ever experience again. Probably not. And I think, I think I just knew that in the moment. Like, I was old enough that I was like, this is probably the last time I'm going to get to do this. Yeah. You it know? probably added even another level of specialness and meaning to it. Yeah. Oh, man. That sounds so fun. I remember you just telling me your stories after you got back, and I was like, just so glad that you had gone to experience that and that it had been everything you had hoped it would be despite Zane's absence and everything. Oh yeah, it was. By then I was over it. I mean, yeah. it, cause he left in March and then the show was in July. Yeah. So it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then we went and saw them. I went with you guys. Was that only a year later? It, it was less than a year. It was six months later. It was that December. Okay. That's right. Yeah, oh, we that saw was them, so and fun. that was after Made in the AM had come, came out, and I so we got to record. hear their new songs. Mm -hmm. That was actually a really emotional show because I remember seeing them walk off stage, and it was like, like I knew that was going to be the last time that I saw them together. Yeah, because I, think I got emotional at that show. I had finally accepted my love for them. And I had been watching some documentaries with you, too. Once I said, yes, I want to buy a ticket and go with you guys. Mm -hmm. You just let me into your club, and it was so fun. <laughs> and it was so short-lived, because they broke up so soon after that. I know, it was so short-lived. I always feel, I mean, it's bittersweet, because I'm so glad that I got to experience, but I'm also so sad that, like, the year I got into them was the year that they broke up, you know? Right, right. It must be how MCR fans felt if they became fans in 2013. For real. I mean, at least we got to be fans of them for like nine years before they broke up. That is true. We so. just never went and saw them live. No, we never did because we weren't allowed to. We weren't allowed to. It's not like we were just ignorant. I mean, it I would have loved to, but me too. So going back to Instagram, it seems to me, I mean, it, it's crazy to think about the fact that we've been on Instagram for over a decade now. Right. And how different it is. Um, now from when it started and I just I remember having a lot of fun on Instagram of course like everyone did when they when it first started that's why everyone loves it yeah um, but I was thinking about kind of like the glory days of Instagram from my perspective I always feel like they were 2013 to 2015 yes. or so oh man for me. I absolutely agree yep because I, I had, was so had, dang cute. <laughs> oh, I know we did. We had so many, so much engagement, and it's like such a great following. And it felt like everyone was there, and everybody was engaged, and everybody was. You'd get so many comments and likes on things, and it was just so validating. It was, and I just remember that really is like that's when Instagram was great. 2013 to 2015. I absolutely agree. It was like, not only was the algorithm not crushing it, and mm -hmm. it, and you could actually just use it as a place to interact with your friends and see things in, in chronological order. Mm -hmm. I don't even think they had started to do ads yet. I don't think so either. And it was, oh man, I loved it so much. I spent endless hours on Instagram, but not like, so not only was the app itself great, but always, I was also at a very good spot in my life, I felt. Mm -hmm. I mean, relatively aesthetically, I would say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I had moved to Park City 
in 2013. I had, it was the first time like having my own apartment that was really new and nice. Mm -hmm. And I took photos of every single second of my day, basically. Yeah. From driving to work in like the snowy mountains to my cute apartment and all the art projects I was doing all the time to just my outfits. I was really going for like a, you know, I don't even know what, how I would describe my aesthetic back then. I was listening to a lot of Maylene and the Sons of Disaster yeah. <laughs> and a lot of Rob Zombie and wearing a lot of black and... And your hair was blue. My hair was blue and pink. I did that. Yeah, that's when I started to do like some really bright colors. Yeah, I remember that. Those were so cute. Yeah. You did have the cutest aesthetic on Instagram. Yeah, I spent a lot of time thinking about it. And so Instagram like did really well for me. Yeah. And I, I probably put 90% of my conscious energy into Instagram. Same. I mean, 2013 it. was the year I started working for Ugly Magazine, which was this little indie yeah. magazine in Salt Lake. And I started doing a lot of like fashion related things, if you could call it that. But like <laughs> photo shoots and events and things like that in Salt Lake. And I started meeting tons of people in Salt Lake. And so Instagram was such a fun place because I would meet someone at a party or an event and I would say, you know, here's my Instagram and then I could follow them and I was just constantly like gaining new followers and new people yeah. and like networking basically. But right. um, I just remember that being so fun because it felt like there were actually so many people on the app that I knew kind of, yes. or at least was an acquaintance with, and people would actually comment on stuff and people would respond to me about things. And it was like, there was just so much opportunity on there. I remember like ending up modeling for things or like photographing right. different things because somebody would reach out to you on Instagram. And it was like, there was just so much more engagement. And then mm -hmm. everything changed kind of in like 2016 or so. And now there's just nothing. No, there's nothing. But I think that's such a good point. And not only was there so much engagement, I think as we're talking about this, it occurs to me, we had not moved to Salt Lake yet. I was living in Park City. You were living at home. Mm -hmm. We were, you were working in Salt Lake and meeting a ton of people down there. So like everyone was new to us at that time. Yeah. The entire city basically was, it felt like it was just at our fingertips. We were like getting into it, meeting people and like forming a friend group. Mm -hmm. And I think that contributed to how exciting it all felt. <laughs> yeah. And people like wanted wanted us around and wanted to hang out with us even though we lived an hour north in a tiny little town. It, it just felt like okay, cool. There are people down here and I can fit in down here. Yeah. Because I always envisioned myself ending up there. Anyway. Right. Yeah. Totally. That was the glory days of Instagram. Yeah. You're right. And now they're not there's not, they're just not great anymore. They're really not. And I don't know no if one... that's just me because I don't put as much effort into it anymore. Mm -hmm. And if, because I've gotten older and my life is a little bit not as aesthetic now as it used to be. <laughs> sure. I mean, it is, but I don't post as many selfies and outfit photos as I used to. No, same. I used to post that shit every single day. And I, that's always what got the most engagement. Yep. I wonder if that kind of stuff for younger people has now moved to TikTok, yeah. it seems. I feel like you and I are maybe just on the cusp of the generation that missed TikTok. I don't know. Some people our age are on TikTok. Or yeah, lots it. of people. And a lot of people are. I, I, I have not dived into TikTok too much because honestly, yeah. I, I mean, I have it. I've used it and it is really fun. Mm -hmm. And I could see myself becoming really obsessed with it. So I just kind of yeah. consciously chose to not use it too much because I did not need another app to take up all my time. That's how I felt too. When I started hearing about it and people were getting on it more and more, I was already like, oh my gosh, I'm spending way too much time on Instagram. So it really was like, I just don't need another app that is going to keep me stuck in a loop for hours. Oh my gosh. And it, it does. And it's so fun. And you can curate your feed to exactly how you want it and follow yeah. all the things that you like. And it's great. I mean, it's a great app. I just yeah. personally, if I used it a lot, I would not get anything done ever. No. 
at this rate where I'm not on it myself, all I see from it is like your stereotypical um, TikTok boy, like the pretty boys, <laughs> and then the really cringy clips that will get circulated. And I'm just, if that's what it is in my mind, it keeps me off of it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't need that in my life. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, I do miss the Tumblr days, though. Those are just some really special days. They were special. I have, I actually did download Instagram the other day because I thought I'm still wanting to do a Instagram or social media um, cleanse, but I was really missing having my Instagram camera with all my filters, like the lenses built in because... I was looking through my camera roll and I realized I haven't taken hardly any, I didn't really take any pictures in January. I didn't either, honestly. I mean, I did a little bit, but nothing that I thought was very cute because I didn't have any cute filters or anything to play around with. And right, so I missed having that. I just kind of wish there was a way that I could download that camera without having the feed attached to it. Because even the other night I downloaded and I I downloaded Instagram again and I thought, can I control myself to only open this up when I need the camera and not open it up when I am just mindlessly looking through the feed? Right. And I did find myself just flipping through stories yesterday Uh and I was like, oh, damn it. It just (laughs) happened and I didn't even... I didn't even realize it. It happens before you know it. I do the exact same thing. I'll like go there for a specific reason, say I'm not going to scroll or look at stories, and suddenly I'm just in it. Yeah, like you don't, you just black out, and then suddenly you're, you've (laughs) been on there for an hour. Yes, and that's such a, it's so prevalent, that feeling. I mean, they just have, they have calculated the human brain, how it works so well. And then have designed everything to manipulate it. It's exactly. like that show, The Social Dilemma. Mm-hmm. It really goes into it. I heard of another book recently called Irresistible. Oh. About the rise of addictive technology and the business of keeping us hooked. Yes. And I haven't, I haven't read the book yet, but one of my coworkers did, and he was saying that it was fascinating, and I really I need to check that out because that shit is just... It's wild to me that... It's so wild. I mean, I think only in the last couple of years have we really started to realize just how toxic our social media habits are. Yeah. And that's kind of what caused me to want to do this cleanse in some ways. Mm -hmm. It's just gaining a little bit more awareness of what it's doing to our brains and um, what it's doing to society. (laughs) And... Mm -hmm. It's it's on it's overwhelming. It's very dark when you start to think of it from a psychological standpoint and how just widespread the toxic effects are. Yeah, I mean like we've talked about today and, and like everyone has said it started out in a way that seemed so genuine and it was so fun. Yeah, and it seemed like nothing could be so sinister or dark about it until now when it's been a decade that we've been living with it mm-hmm. and now we're realizing like the true effects right which is so interesting because it's it's interesting how much it hasn't really evolved in a positive way like it's almost not even fun anymore you know you just get ads every five posts or every three posts and now it's just something that is annoying and we tolerate it because we're hooked to it yeah it, it doesn't seem like they've innovated it in any way to like put a new hook in there they just can count on us already being hooked because it worked so well Mm -hmm. and the whole algorithm that curates it to what your brain already wants to see it's like like why fix something that's not broken yeah the type of idea like it knows us so well and Mm -hmm. it's just creepy it is really creepy especially with instagram and facebook and those really big ones i still i feel Mm -hmm. like people loved tiktok because that was kind of a newer app that did feel fun again it did have that's true a new kind of format and it didn't feel like it was this advertising behemoth that the others had transformed into yeah do you know if it has stayed that way or if it 
if it's becoming more ad heavy. I don't really think that it's gotten bogged down with that too much yet, it seems, because yeah. people still really love it. Yeah. I just, it's so fascinating. I wonder what the next big thing is going to be and if we will, I think about this a lot, if we will ever see like a big exodus away from Facebook and Instagram and just these big ones that everyone is sick of and if we're going to be seeing more media like The Social Dilemma and the book that you talked about, if that'll just become more and more like recognizing a problem if anyone's going to try to solve it in a big way. I feel like it has to. Like it's, It yeah. feels like it's at a tipping point right now where certain platforms are spinning off into these crazy like conspiracy theory zones and like... Yeah, you get into the politicization of it and that becomes a whole different... I can see that being like the beginning of the end. Well, like, I think it kind of has been, yeah, because For everybody's sure. been so concerned about it and I think that's why a lot of the concern has come out in recent years. It's like, this is why it's polarizing us. This is why it's right. dividing us. And it really did start to come out just in the last five years or so when there has been so much political polarization and that's really become yeah. more prevalent and people are talking about it a lot more and kind of looking into what is causing that. And I think s social media has been a huge factor in that, which is yeah. really interesting. And so, of course, people are going to start second-guessing it, start questioning whether yeah. it's really good or not, and then we're all just going to have to decide for ourselves if we want to stay <laughs> on it or not. Right. That's crazy. I mean, I don't know. It's so hard because I'm still so addicted to it. Like, it's such a conundrum because I have not really missed not having it, but I would never want to delete my account. Right. I would That's never want to, like, be away from it permanently. No. It feels like a part of me. Like when you, how does it make you feel when you look at your own Instagram profile? Like what are, what feelings do you experience going through your own posts? Sometimes I go to my, my own profile if I'm feeling unsure about myself. I'll go there to gain kind of some reassurance that I yes. am okay, <laughs> basically. Yes. Um, if I... It's really weird and I don't, it doesn't always do that for me, but I go there with that goal in mind of seeing, it's always about how am I perceived? You know, I, yeah. if I'm ever wondering how people are perceiving me or if I'm feeling insecure, I'll go to my Instagram profile and look through my posts and I'll try to imagine that I'm someone else who doesn't know me and try to figure out how would I be perceived by someone who's not me? <laughs> yes. And it's obviously it's impossible to actually have any perspective on that. And it's really honestly futile to even try. But the experience of doing that is so rewarding because I do it too. Mm -hmm. I think so many people spend probably like half of their time on social media or at least some significant per percentage looking at their own profiles. Yeah, I have to think that, which is, that's what I was going to be my next question. Do you think this is like most people do this and go to their own profile for regaining their sense of self or judging themselves from a new perspective? I want to say yes. Mm -hmm. Maybe not everyone, but I feel like I've seen enough people mention the fact that they do that. Mm -hmm. So I, I definitely think that it's kind of a common phenomenon. I think so too. And I, I, wish there was a little more like maybe there is and I just haven't read it but I it would be fascinating to see if there was some kind of studies about that or some kind of psychological explanation as to why we do that I find myself going to my own profile and and the only one I go to more than my own is yours really which I think yes which brings us I think potentially to our twin segment okay is it twin time I think it's twin time come and play with us Danny so this twin time obviously is going to continue in the, in the vein of social media, but like I said, I've spent a lot of time looking at Katie's profile and my own, and in times when I do feel uncertain of myself, I will kind of see what Katie's doing and compare myself to it, and if it seems like I'm somewhat aligned with what she's doing or how she's talking or presenting herself, then I'm okay. Hmm. 
and I think it just helps to not only to check my persona, my identity against you, but also to differentiate it. I, I think this was more prevalent actually back when we were younger and I wasn't quite, we were still like separating ourselves and our identities as individuals. Mm -hmm. um, I think after high school and into college, social media played a bigger role in that. Like I would have compared my MySpace or my Facebook to yours way more heavily and just trying to make sure that I look just as cool and just as edgy and just as like on trend as Katie did. So <laughs> it's interesting, like, I wonder if other people just find random people to compare their own social media to rather than a sibling. Yeah, I don't know, that's really tough. Cause I, yeah. I mean, it's fascinating honestly that you say that because I don't know if I look at your profile as much with that goal in mind. Interesting. Which kind of sounds like bad to say. <laughs> Well, I will say this is it's not like that all the time. I think maybe in that in those glory days we were talking about 2013 to 15 mm -hmm. is when I would visit your page way more. Like nowadays you're not as active on it. I'm not quite as active on mine. Yeah. But there have definitely been phases where I've just been like you were doing so many cool things on your social media and I would just constantly be checking yours to make sure I didn't miss anything. Yeah. That's true. And I check yours a lot to make sure I'm not missing anything too. For sure. But it is interesting because I do kind of feel like there are times when we do have a really similar kind of a voice on yes. social media or sometimes like I'll post something or say something on a story or something and then you'll post something after that has kind of a similar tone. Right. Like I can kind of tell that you have, that you've been looking at my content and kind of taking influence from that. Right. It's interesting that it seems like it kind of just goes one way though. You don't feel like you're taking, like anytime, even nowadays, you'll never see me post something and then take any influence from that. I guess I don't notice in it. I, happening very much. Yeah, I can't say that I really do because if there's times when you've posted something that kind of is reiterating something that I've said, I'm not gonna like take influence from that because I've already said it. You know what I mean? Well, sure. Yes. But like, but even times anything. when you post something that's unrelated, I don't, I don't know. I don't always find it to be something that I feel that I need to reflect right in my own social media voice. Yes. And I, I don't mean I don't really know why that is. Maybe I, I don't know. I don't really know if I have any accounts who I follow whose voice or tone or aesthetic or anything I am trying to emulate these days. There I yeah. used to be, for sure. There used to be Same. some. It happens way less often these days. Yeah, but back in the day there definitely was. Yeah. I don't know, it kind of leads into this interesting thing of like you and I and how we're influenced because I kind right. of feel often that I would get influenced by other people, just like people online, things mm -hmm. that I would find. And then you would kind of get influenced from me like in a kind of a secondhand way into those things. That's so true. When it comes to like social media and and just the news in general, like anything hip and trendy and cool, I feel like you find out about it first and then I learn about it from you. And that's been like a consistent theme kind of throughout our whole adulthoods. It really and has I don't know been. why that is. Like I'm on the internet just as much as you are. Sometimes I feel like I don't know where to look to find the latest news. Maybe you're on Twitter more than I am. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why that is. Maybe I've just gotten comfortable and I know that if anything is cool and exciting, you will know about it. And I've just come to rely on that at this point, you know? I, I do wonder if that's what it is because I... I actually feel like it has been a trend throughout more than our adulthoods. I feel like it started when we were teenagers and kind of like first establishing our identities and like establishing our own interests. Yeah. In some ways, like there was al always a time when, when like I started getting in into the music that I like and then you didn't like it and you would kind of, yes. if I liked it, then you would just specifically choose not to like it. And right. we, that was how we were trying to differentiate from each other. But eventually right. you came around to liking the things that I, that I liked. <laughs> that was a common pattern that I would follow. I don't, yeah, I don't really know why that is. But then I think because that started so early, it kind of set this trend where like, you kind of are influenced by me, but therefore I can't necessarily be influenced by you because you're kind of like waiting for me to influence you. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think it's a cycle that we set up. 
Yeah, so I had to like look for external influences and like try and find the things that I thought were cool and try and find the things to influence me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I, I've never really thought about this much before, but I it's just like this trend that I feel like I've noticed. Yeah. Do you feel like that's true? I do, and I'm trying to kind of analyze why. I think very often when I find things that I think are cool, I'm, I kind of doubt myself. I doubt that I know what is cool mm-hmm. all the time, kind of, and I'm looking for a validation. And I, that's so not, like, cool of me, <laughs> you know? Like, that annoys me that I do that. But as a kid, when I was even less confident about it, it was like, well, I do think this... What did I think was cool back in high school? I thought classic rock was cool. Mm-hmm. And then as I got older, I was like, that was kind of embarrassing, like, how into that I was. I just chose it as my thing to be into because it was, like, acceptable at the time. Not that I think it's an embarrassing thing in general to be into that but it was just it seems like all the things that I had naturally been gravitating to were not quote-unquote cool Mm -hmm. so maybe I just felt like all right well if Katie thinks it's cool then at least there's proof that someone else thinks it's cool and I won't be ridiculed (laughs) for liking something because at least we'll be in it together (laughs) that's that's true I was into classic rock too during those years like I also had a phase like that we kind of went through it at the same time Mm-hmm. But I kind of, I felt like it was cool at the time. Yeah. I mean, I felt cool for liking it. <laughs> Maybe I've always cared a little bit less about whether something is deemed cool or not because... I think that's true. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say because I definitely cared about that a lot, obviously. Mm-hmm. I think I just ended up liking random things and especially after a certain age, it was, was just kind of like, I don't care. I'm going to like this because I like it. I think, honestly, you've always been a little bit, just a little bit more comfortable with yourself as a person than I have been. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe so. (laughs) I mean, I like to think that's changed. I mean, I'm a lot more comfortable with myself now, but I just feel like, Kat, you've always been, I don't know, just a little bit less neurotic about your identity and who you are and constantly trying to figure it out. I suppose that's true. And I don't really know why. Mm -mm. I feel like I've always been too... I didn't have the energy to worry about it. Yeah. (laughs) And maybe because, like, you have the anxiety side and I have the depression side. (laughs) I'm just like, I don't... I can't. We just split that right down the middle. (laughs) I know. It's like, I don't know. I don't care. And you... (laughs) You care very much. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I do. I don't know. It's it's not really split that evenly down the middle. I think we both have, <laughs> we both struggle with both those things. But I wonder if that has anything to do with it. I don't know. I think it probably does. That's interesting. It is. It's so interesting to think about that. Because I, I honestly, I feel like even nowadays, like it still is a theme that carries over. I feel like there are times within the last couple of years that I've like said something on Instagram and then I'll see you post something that is like word for word the thing that I said on Instagram <laughs> the couple days before. And I don't even think that you necessarily do it on purpose, but you probably just see my stuff and then it sticks in your head. And then when it's time for you to post something, you're just like, oh, this is what I'm going to (laughs) say. I probably do that way more than I, than I even notice. I bet you're right. (laughs) And I, that's just funny. Like I, I notice it every now and again. Yeah. I mean, it's not, not all the time, but yeah, every once in a while. I mean, I'm not Mm. saying it's a bad thing. I find it like I, I've always said, like you always... (laughs) Out of everyone, you always see the best in me and look to me as someone who you can trust and like... I do! I don't really see myself that way and I find it really cute that you do. (laughs) Well, I do and I don't see that changing anytime soon. You're always the coolest person to me. (laughs) It's a good feeling. Mm -hmm. Not everyone has somebody who just trusts in them totally. Right? That's true. That's an interesting point like as twins we do yeah well I think this has been super fun to talk about our social media experiences and to see where we have diverged and converged on our (laughs) social media journeys and um I think they both I mean it all probably affects us both very similarly because we went through it all at the same time Mm -hmm. and in the same levels of app development (laughs) you know right it's crazy it's crazy that that's just like 
such a deep part of our lives now. It's kind of like yeah. talking about, it's like talking about school or a job or something. It's been that ingrained in our lives for so right. long. I know. I'm very curious to see how it's all going to, what's, what's it going to look like in 10 years from now? You know, we've been on Instagram for 10. Where, what are we going to be doing in 10 years? Something different, I hope. I hope so too. God, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's a good place to end it. I think so too. This has been a good chat. Has been a good chat. We hope you enjoyed our reminiscing on many things <laughs> from social media to One Direction to influencing each other as twins. So this was a mm -hmm. long and rambling conversation, but it was. We hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. If you like our podcast, follow us on Spotify or subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at to the end podcast with the number two instead of T-O. Thanks for listening. Um, hope you guys have a good week. Bye. Bye.